Welcome to the Path 5 Podcast. The Path 5 team is a dedicated group of professionals hailing from diverse backgrounds, all anchored in making the world a safer place. Thanks for joining us while we dive into today's topic. Hang on a second. Let me grab a couple of pillows. I'm going to mix another drink and then we're Gucci. <laughs> Whoa. What kind of podcast is this? It's a it's a cozy one, usually. Oh, yeah. Let's get cozy. Make your drink. But that's because we talk about real shit and it's scary. Yeah. That's why you got to get cozy. Scary grab shit. your pillows, grab your adult beverage of your choice, and settle in for the Path 5 podcast. Oh, yeah. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the latest episode of the Path 5 podcast. Hard to believe it, we're episode 18 of season two here. We've been uh, rocking and rolling. Oh, yeah. And with me, I'm Irish. For those who don't recognize the voice, with me, I have Midas and Da Vinci. We're going to dive into uh, a topic that is always on the forefront of our conversations, and that's China. China. Um, the proper way everything- to say it is China. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Everything going around the world. We're talking foreign policy. That's right. China's at the forefront. Well, with everything going on in the world these days, especially with uh, us pulling out of Afghanistan, chatted about, about you know pretty briefly the other day. It's a couple trillion dollars worth of natural resources right on China's border um, with the South China Sea. Some of the things they're doing with Taiwan. You know, we, we really need to dive into this topic a little more detail. So we're going to kind of discuss on, on some of those steps that I highlighted here. And uh, who knows? These could be some steps toward war on China's part uh, without fear mongering or, or not. You know, it's, it's definitely a, a step in that direction, the way China's been positioning itself on the global uh, field. So yeah. what are some of those signs? Um, you know, we're seeing exploitation of perceived weakness from the U.S., uh, when you look at the moves that China's been making, they continue to push that propaganda at Taiwan, like I mentioned, using Afghanistan, the recent uh, loss of Kabul and, and withdrawal um, as that perceived weakness in their propaganda campaign toward Taiwan, saying that would provide zero support uh, over there. In some newspaper articles we've seen recently, uh, there's a uh, poor kid from Colorado that uh, had to pull out of the model UN because he put himself as Taiwan, or, you know, Democratic Republic of Taiwan, as opposed to a province of China. They want them to change it to province of China. So there's a, some backdoor educational uh, stuff moving around over there as yeah. well. Yeah, a little brainwashing. Just, it's yeah. crazy. You know, published in, in U.S. news media. Uh, and then they've been negotiating with the Taliban, including Afghanistan and the Belt and Road Initiatives. So um, pretty crazy turn of events in the last month or so. But what we want to talk about is really that total war concept. Um, and we've been, the three of us kind of went back and forth a little bit on what we thought total war really meant. So I kind of pulled out of uh, this thing called an encyclopedia. I don't know if Ooh. folks, the, our younger listeners even know what that is. Uh, but for our older listeners, we went back to the roots, went to uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, because that's the, oh, the old goodies. Step right in the there. old time machine, go to a library. That's right. And you can get it online these days for those kids that don't know encyclopedias. It's not Google. Good it is not Google. 
Um, but total war is defined as military conflict in which the contenders are willing to make any sacrifice in lives and other resources to obtain a complete victory. While I agree with that, you guys want to know what my definition is? Yes. It means you're willing to just, I'm going to say senselessly, but there's not really senseless, but just you are willing to target an enemy's civilian population. That seems to be like the line that's crossed when you're Arguably, in total though. war. Arguably. Mm-hmm. That goes into part one of any sacrifice in lives, right? It's not saying military sacrifice. It's not, it's not saying, saying your sacrifice. Russia in 1942, where they just sent, you know, half the dudes had rifles, half the dudes had ammo, and you kept going, just pick up guns on the way. We're talking like anything. Stampede them on the way. I love that terminology. I'm going to kill your people and therefore sacrifice them. That's right. For total total victory. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's like being suicided by the Clintons. Yeah, so eventually, essentially everything is on the table, right? I mean, as crazy as that sounds. And with uh, over 1.4 or about 1.4 billion people uh, ranking themselves numero uno in the world, China has the resources, people, you know, to mass and overwhelm an enemy. You know, we've seen that on the battlefield before. Haven't seen it recently. Uh, I guess recent enough when you're talking uh, the Korean War, right? That's how China was able to prevail there, was massing on the border and pushing all the way through. And then, you know, each year, China amasses approximately 10 million military-aged males per year, second only to India, as compared to the U.S. that uh, gets, I'd say, about 2.6 million a year. Uh, but with our uh, obesity rates and everything else going along with it, I wouldn't... Uh, wouldn't put money on 2.6 million being that number. I'd say it's a lot lower. Yeah. I'd, uh, I'd bring those numbers to about half who are physically capable and then about half of that who are mentally capable. That's true. Yikes. But, uh, you know, with this in mind, we'll, we'll jump right into the first set of questions here and I'll pose to the group. Do you see any current Chinese policies, whether it's social, military, uh, economic um, that are aiming to take advantage of, you know, this group of military-aged males uh, that they have. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're getting into some a little more in-depth analysis, shall we say? I think you know, growing up whenever I was doing my research on different things, it was like the CIA World Factbook. All right, go to that website and look up GDPs. Look up percentage of GDP that are actually allocated to a nation's military and you'd assess their strength based on that figure combined with some others. But what we're looking at today, and we do get into that a little bit, but what we're looking at today primarily are the social factors. It's, hey, what is China driving as policy in order to cultivate and captivate this record amount of MAMs, military age males, as we refer to them. And how do they, how are they getting them ready? And, and I guess the, the short answer to that is that they're doing a lot. They're doing an awful lot. And you know, that, that echoes the sentiment from Admiral John Aquil, Aquilino, Aquilino, I believe it's how you pronounce that the commanding officer of PACOM. 
And that comes on the heels of Admiral Phil Davidson, who was the former PACOM commander, and his remarks that he uh, unleashed on the world back in June that fundamentally just warned the world that China has a definite plan to invade Taiwan in what he assessed to be the next six years. And that's a big, big deal here, guys, because that means that China is willing to literally invade one of their neighbors. So let's let's look at that real quick in history. We've talked about Sudetenland an awful lot. We've talked about the appeasement that followed and how dangerous that was. On this podcast, we've talked about Crimea in this podcast and how dangerous that precedent has been. Uh, Russia annexing, I love that term, annexing, uh, Georgia a couple years back. That was a huge deal. Uh, Saddam Hussein in 93, might have happened in 92, I don't know. We had actions in early 93, but either way. 91. 91. But it's, 91? It's the same, that's the same as, you know, how, the, me, Chinese, how the Chinese government describes uh, Tiananmen Square, you know, subduing rioters. Subduing yeah. rioters, Tiananmen Square. Really? Yep. That's what you, that's what you call subduing. Yeah, it was a Type eighty eight main battle tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Subdued, very subdued. Well, crunch that. action. Yeah, he's no longer protesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Irish, to your point, I'm sorry. It's a combination of the margarita, and I was doing some research on the Moog today, so ninety three just popped into my head. That is the Moog. Um, but yeah, nineteen ninety one. You're absolutely right. Saddam invaded Kuwait, neighboring country, and was swiftly dealt with as a result of that. So we've seen some differing outcomes throughout history as a result of folks invading their neighbors. But it's particularly troubling right now because of just the size and might of China and the fact that, in my opinion, and this opinion shared by a former PACOM commander, they're willing to do that. It's almost like this giant poker game under the auspice that nobody else is going to call their bluff. And we'll have to see what happens, but it's, it, it's a little bit troubling, you know? So, so I guess that's some good context to be overlaid with this whole discussion as we move forward. Um, and that danger is growing every day and it's largely unchecked. It absolutely is. Uh, one of the main social developments that we've seen recently is this whole masculinity program. It's crazy. I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, because a lot of, if you talk to anybody over 60 in America, you're going to be like, Hey, what's the number one danger to American youth? Or like, or what do you think is leading them astray? And they're going to be like that goddamn TikTok and that technology and them fucking video games. And you know what? China took that idea and made it a national policy. Uh, they started banning a lot of popular culture. So you're looking at your pop culture icons coming out of Korea, Japan, K-pop is banned. K-pop. Yep, that was a bit. They they call almost call that one out by name in the policy. Well, yeah, because it's it's the very essence of males looking and acting in a feminine manner, you know, with their style. And that was one of the weird things. You know, the first couple times I traveled to that part of Asia, it was very. Um, I'm just gonna say interesting. Like there was some culture shock for me there that. 
you know, I was dressed like a dude and I was the only one, at least within our own Western, you know, American construct of what that looks like. And I was the only one who looked like that. You know, there was guys holding hands, like having a good time, hanging out, you know, totally heterosexual, but just enjoying each other's company in a, in a way that wasn't, you know, common in America. And it, it was very different. Right. But that's like, um, I would say, I would say the majority of the world is yeah. like when you're bros yeah, sure. everywhere else and you know, you know, sometimes the path bros, we, we hold hands, you know, it's, it's cool. We embrace the, the worldwide. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, but we hug a little bit. No, we, we, we hug it out. We hug it out all the time, but I'm saying like the majority of the world, whether you're in Africa, you're in Asia, you know, Latino cultures, like everybody, like that's pretty, that's pretty normal. Like you can walk down the street with your bro in Africa or Asia and hold hands. And it's like, totally, it's like, you're just like, we would walk down the street next to each other, like just broing out, but we're not holding hands for them. Broing out is holding hands and walking down the street. Like I spent some time in Africa yeah, and you know, I was there for, a little while, you know, as a civilian before I, right. before I got into the military, I made some friends. And I remember the first time I was walking down the street next to one of my buddies and he like slipped his hand into my hand and I was like, Whoa, <laughs> but this <laughs> is cool there, here. Patrick. I read, I read about it and I knew that was cool, but I was like, it was just weird, you know, because we're not exposed to that here. So yeah, well, I, I don't know if you, you boys in, in your interactions uh, over in the stand, but <clears throat> that was one of the first things that I was taught back. Oh, uh, yeah, they do the tour, same thing. Yeah, right. Because I was heavily advising for a year. And uh, but the funny part is this is a tangent. We'll get back to, to the real stuff. But the funny part is, you know, they know that it's weird for Americans. So <laughs> yeah. you know, there is yeah. there's a few uh, a few folks that I dealt with that tried to assert their dominance uh, in the handholding competition. Um, so I don't know if I told the story yeah. before, but I know the listeners no, will get no. a good laugh out of this, but, uh, go for it. So what happens is, right? They're holding your hand, right? And, and they're, they're trying to hold it, make it super awkward for you. So you pull away, right? Yeah. So oh, instead yeah. you go in full bore and you hold their hand. And when they want to let go, you just grip their hand even harder for like <laughs> 20 extra seconds. Just stare at <laughs> the eyes and contact. smile yeah. and smile. And then you let go and let them walk away. Get real close. <laughs> Works every time. Every time. They never screwed me after that. <laughs> you're, just sitting there, you're, like, you're like, thank you. He's like, thank you. You're yep. like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For exactly. 35 Doctor, doctor. Full doctor. eye contact. <laughs> and let him go. Give me a solid 10, 15 extra seconds. Oh, man. They, they were like, okay, well, I can't screw with this guy. I'm can't punk this guy anymore. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right. So, anywho. Great segue. I love it. But... I guess my point is a lot of the things that I saw in men, male culture was not in alignment with American male culture. Right. And, and I'll be the first to admit it. You know, we joke about toxic, toxic masculinity an awful lot, but some of that stuff is true, man. Like sometimes like dudes getting, you know, raised not to communicate and not to express your feelings and bottle shit up and hold it in and be a fucking tough guy 24 seven. Like it's not, it's not healthy if you're actually doing shit that matters, like going to war and, and seeing people fucked up and mangled and hurt, you know, it's 
especially if they're your buddies, it's that kind of stuff is in fact toxic. Uh, so, it, so it's, it just, it's really interesting. And as the team knows, some of you guys probably know by now, I, I find cultures very interesting. I like looking at them and learning more about them and kind of digging into it, getting, in, getting under the skin a little bit. So that for me stood out guys. It's like this whole pop culture concept coming out of Asia, Japan, Korea, very feminine. China's like, no, no more of that crap. Uh, and it's really interesting that they're, they're dropping the line there and they're saying, Nope, this is it. Don't cross it because it, it shows for me conducting a little bit of analysis that they're trying to gear this large military age male population into thinking and behaving more like the classic male model, which was, you know, you're stronger. We're, we're not talking about Zoolander guys. We're, we're talking the model male, not the male model. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Not a hand model either. Like, uh, like, <laughs> Oh, I can't watch K-pop. Let me go learn how to kill shit or let me go learn some practical skills or let me go harden myself and learn Tai Chi or one of these other uh, classic Chinese martial arts. Like all these things that were a big part of Chinese culture, they see slipping away and they're trying to reroute their their male culture back to that point. Which I think is a huge indicator that they're gearing up. And that cannot be underestimated because that kind of strength comes from culture. It doesn't. And when you make that an aspect of your society, I'm not saying these guys are Spartans, you know, they're not throwing, you know, premature children off cliffs, but they're, they're, they're getting ready guys. They're, they're preparing. Well, I mean, and, and when you throw into the mix, the gender disparity as well in China, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a really good the, point. The I was going to bring that up, but yeah. That's, oh yeah. That's you a know, really good point. You could only have one kid, you know, that's, you know, screw them up in, this, in the future, but right now, now you have, you know, males are 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 seen in their society as as greater than females, and females are subservient to males. Right. So these folks were either having abortions or killing off their their female kids or or whatever, at least in the, the big cities. And now we have a, an overabundance of males. So we have an idle population that can't marry, right? You know, and what are you gonna do with them? Yeah, that's exactly. A, what do you do with that? That's a really yeah. good point. And based on my research, you're looking at 75 million like marriage age males, like between the age of 20 and like 45, 75 million in excess of Dude. like what the female population is. And that's like, and that's, that's 105 like, males per every 100 females. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's insane. Yeah, the, the population is crazy there. Like, I know it's a big country. You know, we say 1.4 billion. Yeah, but, it, but when you look at the U.S., the U.S. is, you know, less than 400 million people. We're at like 470-ish, 460, yeah. depending on what website you look at. So, or, excuse dude, me, and, 300, 370, not 400. Yeah, 370. 370-ish. And, and just for for folks out there that are, are wondering, million single dudes with no chicks. 
there are more females in America than there are males. So in case anybody's wondering those numbers uh, by a few million. So Good luck, boys. If you're not married or if you're looking for a woman, don't worry. There's more out there. May the odds be ever Just don't in go your China. favor. So, but <laughs> guys, this is one of this episode is going to get a little scary. Yeah, it's going to get a weird. It's going to get a little freaky right now. Yep. If you were China, like Chinese government, and you were at that sociopath fucking construct of communist leadership that we have seen them expose themselves multiple times, and you've got 75 million fucking dudes. Like, they are pawns. First of all, they're going to be viewed as pawns. Absolutely, positively expendable. China has shown that before in history. Right? When they crossed the river in the Korean War, they just threw waves of people at our machine gunners. Waves of fucking people. And it sucks. It's such a forgotten conflict, but it needs to be researched extensively in the next five years. So, think about this. You're a fucking sociopath commie leader. You got 75 million fucking dudes. And then you look across at your your mortal enemy, America. And we've got more women than we know what to do with. What math are you doing? Conquer. Breed. Expand. And I know it sounds a little crazy, but damn, someone's thinking that right now. Someone with a lot more authority than I. So just keep that in mind as we go forward. All right, guys. Sorry, we went we went deep in the the deep dark. Yeah, we, yeah we that was a different different area of our uh, yeah our that, podcast that, here. That was deep for, dark for right there. I know. Just I was so I was so deep in that that hole that spider hole that I stepped on a fucking punji stick. I blame my story about handholding. Um, yeah, but, but we'll, we'll handhold it. That was like man in the high tower again. kind of shit, right there. <laughs> that was dude. Well, man, dude, and this is the part that infuriates me, and you guys know this, Da Vinci Irish. You know this. We have so much history and so many examples of how bad this shit could go, and we're walking right into it. Blows my mind. So, anywho. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's change gears back to some yeah. of the, some of those social let's things. Do it. Uh, let's do I it. think your propaganda campaign. I mean, Man in the Hindcastle, right? There's some propaganda going in there. Oh, Links yeah. it up somehow. So yeah, we'll go full circle back to some. Uh, what's some well, of the propaganda coming out of uh, China? Yeah, so I was going to talk a little bit about Chinese propaganda, but I don't even know where to start, to be honest with you, because it's so extensive. Um, it is just so. And that, that's where I, I cited the whole sociopath piece because it's like, it's so clinical and so cold and so directive that it's just like, it's impressive, honestly. It, it's like they have no shame. They don't even try to hide it. And it, it's it's not as bad as like North Korea, for instance, where they tell stories about them like, you know, beating us in the United Nations in open conflict to the point where we just decide to go home. <laughs> it's like, it's not that bad, but it's it's still pretty terrible. Um, so, I don't know. Like, do you guys have any specific examples? Because, like I well, said, I, it's just so rampant. I guess recently, so, you know, some of the recent uh, campaigns obviously revolve around Taiwan. Um, 
and, and our inability to support yep. them as a partner. Boom. Because right? Taiwan. Yep. If you look at everything on the international scale, China doesn't recognize Taiwan as a, uh, a legitimate government. And it, shoot, it took a long time for uh, mainland China to be the seated, seated member at the United Nations. It was actually Taiwan as the, the ruling, you know, the ranking member, so to speak, for the Chinese uh, people. Um, and, and they, there's a, yeah. honestly, there's a super awesome, I love listening to Caspian Report, um, super awesome uh, YouTube video from Caspian Report that talks about uh, Taiwan and China and that uh, that interaction through the early days of Mao Zedong and, and all yeah. that. Um, yeah. Super awesome for folks that, that want to take a, a read, a listen to that, about 20 minutes. It's a good one. So, then, dude, I just, I got to say, you bring up such a great point that loops into our last podcast and that just, it, it, it's trying to cultivating this tarnished image of America that we now have with our partners. We're not helping ourselves. Uh, no. Well, we haven't helped ourselves okay. recently, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Between Syria, Afghanistan, I mean, we have just shit well, on our partner force. Go back a little bit farther, right? I mean, if, if China's smart, they're going to look at um, our initial withdrawal from, from Iraq, right? I mean, that was the, the initial, yeah. uh, you know, shit storm, so to speak. And then Vietnam, we did the same either. exact thing. Same exact thing coming out of, uh, of Afghanistan recently, last month or so. And they've already, I mean, they're already there. They're already in there. I mean, we, we've talked about it before. Yeah. But their inroads are already laid. And, and they're not going to do the same thing Russia or the United States tried to do. They're not going to go in there and, yeah. and try to occupy. They're going to do the same thing they're doing in sub-Saharan Africa right. you know, and all over the eastern African coast. And that they're going to build up the infrastructure. Yeah. They're going to own it. They're going to ship their bodies in there. And they're going to mine the crap out of it for that- pennies. You're you're jumping you're jumping way ahead, bro. It's tough. It's, it's linked so hard, man. You know, it is anyway, all interlinked. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about that. Yes, oh, we will. We will. It's a nice highlight so, right there. But it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. You hit the highlight, and, and that that all plays in the propaganda campaign, right? I yeah, mean, for every sure. single bit of this plays into that greater campaign. Oh yeah. But I think Psy specifically out, what we need to look at pr- pretty quick here, mm-hmm. um, just because it's super interesting, uh, especially with, with the way that technology is nowadays yeah. is how about the uh, most recent policy uh, and, and Midas, I think you, you've looked at this pretty extensively, but that recent policy about uh, video game hours, how, how crazy is that? So first of all, I would really like to thank the Chinese prime minister, chancellor, whatever the fuck he's calling himself these days for doing that because now I might have a chance of playing PUBG again without getting sniped the fuck out by a Chinese hacker from like half a mile away with a pistol. So that's kind of cool. That's nah, a positive. I don't think, are you talking about those the president? Are the ones that are under uh, under eighteen there. <laughs> president, like yeah. Xi Jinping. Yeah. Xi Ping. Xi Jinping. Yeah. Xi Jinping. So so here's or the thing: you can be a fucking president if you're talking. a commie. So anyhow, anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, him, and his uh, his cultural team basically did a deep dive into how this this military-age male population is spending their time and uncovered that a vast majority of them were like deeply involved in video games to the point where he described it as a mental opiate. Which, keep in mind, guys, looking at... It is, but, guys, like, think about China's history. Right. Think about the role of Britain and like the little like opium wars that took place in China. Mm-hmm. So 
he's choosing those words carefully. Yeah. And he's choosing them with the intent of causing his population to reminisce back to that point where they were basically held hostage by a substance that was introduced by the West. Yeah. So that that is a very key piece that I want to highlight. And it, it's really interesting. So Yeah, that's like a like a slavery substance reference. Yeah. She yeah. Jinping is making in that statement. Yeah. It for sure. Totally is. Yeah. I read that. And yeah, and he, he made that statement the end of August. Um, at that point, China implemented a ban on anything more than three hours of video games a week for all citizens under 18 years of age. So, well, that in well, itself during, is really It's during the school week. It's during the school right. week. Right, right. But that's interesting for me because keep in mind, our concept of military age males doesn't necessarily capture a large part of that group. Well, but, but think about sure. it as the every year you're getting 10 plus million military age males turning exactly. age of 18. Exactly. And if, if you're starting, especially with the gender disparity at the younger ages, which is really what's coming up right now, right? Yeah. With the higher ratio male to female ratios, you know, the 118s, 120, 120% over, um, you know, that's what you're looking at coming up. They're not used to being stuck in video games all day. Now they're out, whatever, I mean, shoot, working, doing manual labor somewhere, coming that big buff Chinese male. No, they're you know? not doing that. They're all doing IT jobs. They're all doing, they're, they're all I'm sure doing, some are, yeah. Well, you know, you, when you most, have, most. when you have 10 million military age males a year, I mean, even if 50% of that are doing IT jobs, that's 5 million. That's more than the United States has for military age males coming to age. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But like the majority of Chinese military age males that are, and per, personnel in general, you know, whether it's males or females that are getting to that age every year, there's the percentage that has shifted from rural. And we talked about this a little bit yeah. before, right? But, you know, to bring it to the podcast, the percentage that has shifted from rural, whether you're, you know, farming, doing rice, whether you're fishing, you're doing all these manual labor jobs. And the percentage that has shifted from being out in the rice paddies and doing all that to yeah. moving to the cities, like the mass exodus out of like, so we had this, you know, decades ago in the United States, we did the same thing. Like uh, the majority of the U S population moved into cities decades. Yeah. This yeah. is happening now in China. Well, this is happening in like current day, like in the last two decades for the most part, two, three decades. Interestingly enough, to your point, 60% of China's massive population massive lives population. in their coastal territories. Right. Most yep. of which are within three miles of the coastline. Yep. So think about that. Like you don't have these opportunities to get your big grass-fed, you know, human plow of a, a farm boy 
who's going to dual wheel 240s and fucking run up and down your goddamn line, you know, yee yee. Yeah, your big like, old. You, that you, shit doesn't fucking exist. Your big old ne- Nebraska Cornhusker of a. Of a Chinaman, yeah, 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 exactly, man. Like that, that it's yeah. You not don't see that in Chinese that. basic training anymore. You see somebody no, it's, that's it's been playing different Call of Duty or Battle Battlefront or you know whatever. Well, yeah, but here's the Battlefront because yeah, I'm a Star Wars fan. I just throw that in there. Yeah, that was an OG OG <laughs> term. Uh, but but dude, to all to both of your credits, right? Like that is exactly what's driving this policy and i get it and i understand it uh i absolutely hate the fact they're taking away people's you know individual freedoms but at the same time if you're china where that shit doesn't matter and you live under authority authoritarianism i totally understand the reasoning there and couple that with their intent and it makes perfect sense so what Um, is their intent it's war it's war, baby. It's getting damn well ready. They're not they're not dumb. They realize that mathematically they have an astronomical source of manpower right now. They're sitting pretty well economically. If they're gonna do anything, it's soon. It's very soon. So another another thing I want to bring up here, guys, for all citizens under 18 years of age. These guys are not dumb. They're smart. It's like if they ban that for the military age males, what would they have? Riding in the streets. All kinds of social issues. But what they're doing is instead of pissing off that entire demographic, they're grooming the next generation to augment that demographic and to strengthen it. And that's really interesting for me. And then you contrast that with what Irish mentioned earlier, looking at the United States inventory of military age males, talking about the obesity statistic there. And according to the CDC, between 2017 and 2018, right around 20% of kids in America experienced rampant depression and anxiety. That was formally diagnosed in 7% of kids. Combine that with obesity, and you get this picture of... Well, it's, it's a, a young self-esteem issue. It is. it is. It is, and it's a young purpose issue. And China doesn't have that issue in the sense where they can't have government-directed purpose because they damn well can, and they will. And that's something that we as Americans will naturally rebel against. And I totally get why. But at the same time, in our quest to be individuals, we're, we're seeing this, this side effect. And when you combine that with what China's doing, it doesn't exactly, it's not even like a quantity over quality statistic anymore. It's almost like they've got quantity. And now they're developing quality. And that that's a little scary. It's a little freaky. Well, I think that's that's a good natural transition to, to what we the kind of the meat of the issue we'll talk today. And that's looking at uh, you know, military power, right? We we've talked uh, a bunch of times about economic power. We'll touch on that a little bit toward the end. 
but you know the the big focus that we need to be watching these days is Chinese military power, and we're we're going to talk um, more yeah. of the traditional power as opposed to you know intelligence and, and all that other stuff that goes behind it, and, and um, you know how to potentially take down a grid and all that craziness. But you know, I think the the first place we should look at uh, is where they're growing the quickest, and and that's the the navy, right? The yeah, the largest navy yeah. in the world, technically. And that's numbers. it's a common sense move on their part, objectively, because as we just stated, 60% of their population lives by the sea. So in order to protect them, they need a really strong Navy. Uh, And of course that's, that's a big, big tall order when you're, you're going up against the United States that has an incredibly powerful Navy. Well, I mean, they have 14,500 kilometers of coastline. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of coastline. (laughs) You can't protect against landing. First of all, you just can't. Uh, whereas the American coastline has several really defined areas that present good opportunities for landings, all of which have military bases conveniently located right, right there. Yeah, and, and we're split on two coasts of our coastline. You know, they're like we are, one yeah. massive front. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you can't exactly drop a landing craft in uh, Ulaanbaatar and hit it from the north from Mongolia, right? So, you, yeah, you've got the coastline. It's, it's the logical choice there for invasion. Um, so because of that, they place a large emphasis on their Navy. And, you know, it makes, makes perfect sense. Uh, so let me break it down with some numbers. Do you guys want to go over a couple numbers and kind of do some analysis that way? Yeah, let's hit a few. All right, cool. So China currently boasts... 50 destroyers, 46 frigates, emphasis on frig, 79 submarines, and two aircraft carriers. So they don't mean a lot up front, those numbers. But if you look at the amount of resources spent on subs versus aircraft carriers, I personally think it exposes an awful lot. I'm going to put on my my little agency analysis hat here. Two aircraft carriers. Yeah. As what, is, what does that tell you guys? As Bro Neil would say, put on your tinfoil hat. Well, no, not even. Not <laughs> even. I mean, so out, outright, they're, they're looking for a, a strike force, uh, you know, a future strike group type deal. Obviously, we, we understand that uh, they haven't successfully yet. They're getting their, you know, any domestically produced aircraft carrier. Um, you know, but they're doing a pretty good job on the hand-me-downs that they're getting uh, from Russia. Yeah, they are. But but what about the quantity, guys? How come they've only invested in two aircraft carriers right now? What do you think that is? Well, because they say, don't give a shit about the global projection. Well, here, but here's That's the one. issue. Here's the issue. Twenty years ago, they had zero. Ah, it, it's not a it's not a numbers yeah. game because. Aircraft yeah. carriers are expensive to maintain, expensive and there's not a lot of countries. Shit, dude! There's Those not a lot of so countries expensive. with aircraft carriers. If you look at the global scale, we're just used to the United States. Yeah, having, there's less than there's less than ten countries carriers. that so, have yeah. aircraft carriers. Exactly. Yeah. Great, great points. You guys both just hit one nail right on the head together. Combine your big old brains, and there you go. Right? They did not prioritize global force projection in the past, but they're starting to. So it's something to look at. 
Uh, number two, let me ask you guys a question. Knowing me, well, before you before you do that, they're yeah. not even really that concerned with global force projection. They are. Not, yeah, may I may I jump? May yeah, I jump in? Jump, here? good jump, sir. Jump, Mr. Da Vinci Man. So oh. typically, China has been really worried about the first island chain type stuff, right? Yeah, very, the, very the brown local. water. Yeah, yeah, brown yeah. water. Right, fleet, you know. But if you're recent, yeah. if you're reading recent reports, they're actually practicing their strike group and their their reach. No, so off they, the Aleutian Islands this week, yes, there is a, yes. a, a destroyer oh, yeah. strike group that was intercepted. That. I'm glad you brought that intercepted up. <laughs> by two Coast Guard cutters. Right? Damn it! I was going to uh, bring that up. by the Aleutian you, Islands. You got me. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't start negative with me. I'm up. I'm up my lingo. You know what I mean. First but of all, the, those the most, poor fucking Coast Guard bastards. Well, so here's the thing about those hey, Chinese about the uh, Coast Guard. missile. Uh, I think it was like a Type 90, whatever it was the the missile destroyers. Yeah, that is China's most powerful uh, ocean going vessel. Oh right? yeah. So that's not a a you know a couple like our destroyers kind of cruise around doing their own damn thing. This is no. one of their most powerful ocean going vessels. It's making up a four. You know, four vessel fleet doing what they're supposed to do. They're everything's legal, right? Nothing illegal about it. Um, but yeah, yeah. they're they're practicing. The, they're the, flexing that global reach. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, guys, they flex super hard. And what were they meant by? Ooh. Two Coast Guard cutters. They flex. And that is so why hard. I'm like. That's why I'm like those poor bastards. Like the Coast Seas were like, holy fuck, what is that? <laughs> they just started right. <laughs> Get on I mean, the comms, I mean, these know? are these are cold, uh, cold war vibes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Are cutters, very, I mean, very much put in perspective. Cold, cold war, second cold war vibes. Yeah, as, as much as we want to puddle pirate it around, what have I been saying? As much as we want to puddle pirate around, the Coast Guard is is a pretty capable. Uh, oh, absolutely, well. man! You know, they're they're absolutely. not a slouch out there. No. It's not like you know, those guys are warships, but they're not made to be warships. Right. They are warships, and dude. They are warships. They are. Their What's mission that? might not be war. Two, but they are, two cutters going up. Those cutters. No, essentially. No, for cruisers. sure. They're essentially old destroyers, but yeah. yeah. But, but dude, that it was a is absolutely what they are. But seriously, like you're a, you're a Coast Guard Carter captain. You yeah. roll out there and you see that. And you see, uh, uh, this is Coast Guard Cutter. Three six five niner. Uh, we have something, something long, something. We us. have something long and uh, very gray off the <laughs> coast of uh, the Aleutian Islands. Please respond. Please advise. Over. Like that's, that's pretty good. But, he almost got his contacts out for that. That's good. <laughs> but I mean, for everything that had to do with it, I mean, that's right? normal. We do that all the time to China. So it's. it's yeah, we do. But it's just the kind yeah. of the first really inkling. And Russia does do us all the time, too. Well, so again, no, China's been doing that with their Air Force. And we'll yeah, get right. into that in a minute. Yeah. yeah. They've been doing well, like, that that's with their my Air point, Force guys. for years. Look, look, this is my point. You don't fucking meet fire with a squirt gun. If, if, if we think that sending a couple of Coast Guard cutters out for patrol around the Aleutian Islands, which realistically is probably going to result in them fucking fishing some goddamn crab captain out of the fucking Bering Sea. Like, well, but here's where's, our, where's our big presence there? Counter, counterpoint to that. You have sure. J-Bear, right? You have a lot yeah. of aerial cool. assets up there. You're not going to meet that 
task force with a Navy task force, because how much money are you going to spend trying to like drive, you know, ships back and forth to meet up with all these little groups of, of vessels driving around? No, it's yeah. so much easier. Let's take, you know, three to four minutes from wherever, whatever base on the West Coast they are to fly, right. you know, a couple aircraft over there and, and take them out some shipboard missiles. You know what I mean? If, if there's that much of an issue. But again, four vessels isn't an invasion fleet, right? I mean, if they're going to no. do something, it's a suicide mission, right? Uh, four it, vessels it's a probe. Aren't coming home. It's but again, probe. when you're in, it wasn't really a probe because it never never broke any international seabearing laws, right? Yeah, so how is that not they, a probe? But do they need to? Yeah, it's a missile cruiser, bro. Like, what's their range? Were they yeah, in range of anchors? I don't understand how this is a probe. Oh, for sure they were in range of, which Fairbanks oh, is like one of our most oh, absolutely. strategic. They're, they're in the Aleutian Islands, yeah. That's yeah, one of our so most go, strategic guys. air bases in the United States. Because yeah. you can reach so, any any major city in the north in the northern hemisphere with the B fifty twos that are up there. Yeah. In less than less than four hours or five hours. Yeah. But like, it's, it's not like they snuck up that's there, like at the north tracking them all no, along, you know. For I mean? sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's like a that's like a it's a flex. let your let let your big dick swing kind of move. And, and one counterpoint, it's not two cutters weren't the only things. I guarantee you weren't the only things that were in no, the area. No, I'm sure that Jay Bear scrambled some F-22s and they were out there flying around. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's a good oh, point yeah. that you bring up. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand percent. It's something to look at. Yeah. And and that. And they've been doing that for years. Like they fly stuff into our airspace up there. Like when I was stationed yeah. up in Alaska. Oh yeah. They fly stuff into our airspace all the time just to, you know, just hey, to see. It's not hey, by accident. They just do this. I don't know if that yeah. comes up on the mic, but I'm tapping. I think it did. I'm yeah. tapping the mic. They're just saying, yeah. "Hey, we are still here. We are still so- here." We do that so all the time me, in Russia too. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> Merry Christmas! Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. we do the same thing. Yeah, like oh, let's just fly right over the Ketchikan Peninsula. Like <sighs> we just buzz it yep. just to like let them know we're still here too. So yeah, yeah, it, it's a bit of a game. They call it saber rattling, right? Which yeah, I would have she's going to get into some more. But hey, let me get us back onto my point. How much soft armor do I own? <laughs> now, trust me, this is back on this is back on the point. How much soft armor have you guys ever seen me wear? Just the stuff that was issued by the army, but you left it in your room. <laughs> was it soft armor? <laughs> oh yeah, technically, yeah, sure. sure well, sure, sure. it's not even that I don't. I don't. You wear don't soft wear armor. soft armor. Do you, you want to know why I don't wear soft armor? Please tell us. Because 556 blows through that shit. You want to know why China doesn't have more aircraft carriers? It's just my theory. Because they're making shit that blows through that shit. Hypersonic weapons. There's other things in development that are going to absolutely fuck aircraft carriers immediately upon their choosing. And and just my theory, that is why... Sorry, I just hit my mic. I hope you all didn't hear that too loud. That is my theory as to why they don't invest more in them because well, they identify their vulnerabilities. They're a 2000 man fucking death trap. I'd say counterpoint, conflict counterpoint to that, right? Please do. It's a power projection platform, right? How can China in reality get any sort of air power to the coast across the Pacific? 
to be. Oh, to be you want me to tell you? You want me to tell you? It's called an aircraft carrier. Let you me know? tell you. No, but, you want me to tell you? I mean, you can tell me. All right, ally up with Russia. Then they're going to fucking whack the Aleutian Islands. They're going to whack Fairbanks. They're going to use Fairbanks as a jump spot to invade the rest of the United States. Yeah, Some but that, air bases on the west coast. If we want to go down that rabbit hole, bada bing, bada bing. China and, and Russia no, will no, never. No, 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 We don't have time to do that rabbit hole. Let's go. We can go to the, the Chinese invasion of Vietnam in after shit. the United States no, 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 got no. out of Vietnam, and we can talk politics. But let's let's. Yeah. Rizzo, yeah, you're not... quarterback in this play, guys. Part part of making a goddamn good offensive play is knowing what your defense is going to do, right? China's trying to figure that shit out. We're trying to figure them out. That's all I'm saying. Their assessment might be that they don't need aircraft carriers and that they're vulnerable. So why build them? It's it's an astronomical amount of resources that goes into a carrier. It holds a lot of aircraft. It holds over 2,000 people. Counterpoint. What's the only way you can... uh, I mean, what is the only way that they can touch the American East Coast or West Coast? They need to have some sort of aerial threat. No, oh, absolutely. Take this whole proverbial Russia-China alliance thing off the table, right? From Alaska. But how are you getting there and how are you getting aircraft on there in numbers to overwhelm the United States air power at home? It's not going to happen without some sort of platform to project power off of. Now, again, we could be looking at... For sure, but that's why they've invested a significant amount of resources into their submarine force. Well, but they're also investing... That submarine force is meant to decimate our naval forces in that same Pacific region. I'm, I'm talking air power versus versus sea power. So no, I even agree. If we're evenly matched on the, on the I ocean, agree. But we have resources. Yeah. We have a significant, and we'll get into this. I'm sure. Well, we're, we're getting yeah. into it now. Might as well talk yeah. about. It. We yeah. have a significant advantage now. I'm not saying in the future we will, but now yeah. we have a very significant advantage when it comes to air power, right? Yeah, well, yeah, we, we do. We do it, very well in our air power. But, it's our geographic separation. That's yeah, our advantage, exactly. That which, is exactly in order to right. Bridge that geographic separation. What is required right but, now? It's a navy, right? Which is why they have invested so much money in their in their aircraft carrier and domestically we, produced aircraft. Carriers. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and so, their submarine fleet to subvert any attacks that may inhibit that aircraft carrier fleet that you're mentioning. Like they've spent so much money on their, on their sub submariner capability. They have because of one, they're less detectable Two, they need to protect that, that fleet that you're talking about to have any hope of projecting air power over the Western United States, if that were to be, you know. But I guess the question then is, what is the U.S. Navy countering with? Midas, do you got that off the top of your head? Yeah, yeah. So in contrast to China's two aircraft carriers, we have 11, like jet. F-18 aircraft carriers. We have flat, um, air, flat top aircraft carriers. Flat tops. Which flat are very tops. rare in the world outside the United States. Yeah, yeah. We've got 10 helicopter carriers. Those are more like your Mew-type vessels. Uh, we got 68 submarines and 92 destroyers. So what that tells me about our foreign policy is that we project that shit. And we sure do. 
It also tells me that we are very confident in our aircraft carrier's defensive capability up until this point, which China and Russia are working to negate, which is something else that we have to keep an eye on on the horizon. Uh, I recently had a, a great family friend over for dinner the other night, a couple weeks ago, actually, and uh, he's stationed on an aircraft carrier right now. And I was like, so how are things going, dude? He's like, oh, great. It's like, I can't wait till World War III when I get fucking blown out of the water in five minutes. And, you know, it, it's it's a real concept that's looming on the horizon is that these guys on these carriers are acknowledging their vulnerability. Uh, granted, there's so much. We have an, an insane support network. We've got some really fantastic capability that defends them. But at the same time, you know, it does beg to question, you know, what's what's China going to do next? And there's um, always an evolution in there because look at yeah. post World War Two. Uh, yeah. What were the the big dogs in the in the oceans at that point at World War Two was battleships. How quickly yeah. those become obsolete <laughs> with the advent of aircraft carriers? Well, sort of, but meanwhile, <laughs> we do have ninety-two destroyers, which is almost well, over, I'm talking about almost twice as much. Sure, battleships. No, like the actual battleship, battleship. Yeah, that battleship. Was retrofitted for a while, but they were just picking. Well, yeah, but like, that's when was the last the time you saw of a battle... modern destroyer? No, agreed. But when was the last time you saw a battleship battle? Right, World War Two. Uh, well, maybe Argentina, maybe in the Falklands and. Then the Brits no, sink one. They did. I'm, well, I think they sunk one with a submarine. I want to say Argentinians had like one battleship. They sunk it. Something like that. But he's talking about like a, a battle. I'm like talking a, about a, like a like a naval gun, gun out on the ocean, right? Where you're like, yeah. kukush, broadside, yeah. raising the fucking flag, right? Yeah, it's been that's what I'm talking boarded, about. You know, yeah. let's get that booty. Draw your sabers, your teeth and shit. Yeah. Getting your scurvy ready to swim. We may be on the far side of the world, but this is our England. (laughs) Like it's good. That kind of that doesn't happen now. Not well. So here's here's the thing, guys. And we've talked about this. We talked about it last time. We talked about it several podcasts ago, right? What have we not been doing lately? Fighting in jungles, fighting on the sea, fighting with tanks. This is this is the, the nature of conflict and the fact that we as a nation have projected ourselves so fucking far out there that we are now exposed to every single possible type of conflict. And we can't fucking possibly train for every type of conflict. But as of right now, difficult. I can't, I can't name another country though that has is practiced in any of those. You yeah, know, that's a really good point, man. In them. That's a good point. Irish, I gotta guys, I gotta say. Irish is getting an A plus for host tonight. He's, he's pulling us out of those rabbit holes. He's keeping us on track, <laughs> doing a fucking great job. Because you're right, dude. Because you know what, China can sit there and talk shit all fucking day long about the Afghan withdrawal. Actually, we can too because we think it was a fucking calamity. <laughs> he's seen However, a lot of situations. Okay, I I I've seen a lot of situations. It's fantastic the way that Irish has taken this and just. He encapsulates all of just, it. Just tied a bow around it. <laughs> exactly. But, guys, China can sit there. They can talk shit about us all fucking yeah, Absolutely. You know what they haven't done? Done it. Anything. They, fucking anything. They done done it. Done they it. haven't yeah. done shit. You know what they've done? done? done it. They fucking rounded up a minority population. They put them in fucking concentration camps. And we talked about think that they're fucking a year and a half ago. 
Irish talk yeah, about that a, a few, few months ago. Yeah, we did. A few months God ago. damn dude off of Mumford and Sons had to quit the fucking band because he stood up to talk about the Uyghurs and the fucking Chinese propaganda machine fueled by our fucking liberal media hosed him so hard that he said, fuck it, I'm out. They drew our... Picture that, that F-bomb. Like, I think that's the Chinese propaganda machine in, uh, in entertainment should be a separate episode. I think we need to, to maybe tackle that Ooh, some other time. That, there's a lot that's to a talk great about. Idea, actually. It, it could be, but you guys want to see what I saw today on CNN? No. Speaking no, of the Chinese propaganda machine. No, no, no. no it's a different rabbit hole. This is no, for, this is, guys, we had this no. conversation before this started. No, no, it's yes. important. You have no, two me. minutes. 30 seconds. I start the clock. Thir- oh, two minutes. He's no, being no, generous. You, you have 15 seconds. Give 15 us the, 15 15 seconds. seconds. Okay, so there's an article today uh, from CNN about the Chinese uh, gun control policy. And the Chinese gun control policy basically stated that uh, no people can have guns. And there was a shooting in China. And then uh, fucking CNN is on there acting like Chinese gun control policy is a model for the United States because China only had 28 shootings last year and the United States had 357 fucking mass shootings. And because of that, these fucking ass clowns in CNN are acting like <laughs> we should adopt China's gun control policy. You Perfect. fucking got under 30 seconds. Man. That was pretty you good. It. You crushed it. Not bad. But that's, that good? that's a good transition now. Thank you. I'm going to go make another a, drink. You guys carry on. A great transition from naval power to really what we're, uh, you know, we're going to look at population-wise, is really their land-based power, right? Um, so yeah. I'll, I'll take this one away. <clears throat> so right now, uh, when you're looking at pure numbers, right, they, their active-duty Army population or Army uh, numbers are, are lower than the United States, right? I mean, the United States has one of the largest uh, standing armies in the world. It's their reserve capability and their capability to flex into any of those. That's one really of. China's baseline. One of. It's, yeah, the. It's the. You know. It's the um, when you incorporate when looking, all of that shit. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the yeah, exactly. It, it's it's one of those numbers that they can hide behind, right? China can hide behind their numbers of saying, "Oh, we don't have that large of a standing army." Blah blah blah, 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 blah. but with their paramilitary forces and everything else, they can no, absolutely. Bring in there. You know, it's 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 crazy, and their mentality revolves around the People's Liberation Army. Right. Yeah. Right. The PLA. I mean, their Navy is the plan. People, Liberation Army Navy. Right. I mean, they're that's where they're, they're they made their money off of in the past. Right. That's yeah. really what they're focusing on. Because they have what? Roughly two million in the PLA. Is that is somewhere, that accurate? Somewhere in the in the mid one point five. One point five. Yeah, it's their total uh, military. Because the majority power. of their military their, their active personnel is two point one. Um, total for manpower, so that includes their, that their Navy, Navy their Air, Air Force, Force and yep. Army, two point one, two point one, which ranks spend, them number, number one. But they but. only spend a third of what we spend, and they're the second largest spender yeah. every year. Is that right? Uh, that's per capita GDP. Yeah, yeah, right around there. Um, but what they're spending on is is impressive, right? We were talking about their oh, very impressive. You know, their, their uh, submarine fleet and their, their submarine uh, fleet is very impressive, and their uh, their aircraft carriers there too. But yep. when you're looking at ground based stuff, right? They have um, you know thirty over thirty two hundred tanks. Right, that, that's a combination of your main battle tanks, tank destroyers, uh, etc. Um, thirty five thousand armored vehicles. That's when you're looking at uh, equivalences are up armored Humvees, MRAPs, etc. 
um, armored personnel carriers technically are, are armored vehicles as opposed to tanks. Uh, almost 2,000 self-propelled ar artillery pieces with another 1,200 so towed. Um, so they're, they're, you know, ranked third and 12th, uh, respectfully in, in those areas. But, you know, they, a lot of their projections off of rocket platforms, uh, so rock projectors, you know, they have a, a considerable amount of firepower that they're capable of using. Um, but when you're looking at capability internal, right, they have stopped purchasing the majority of their defense articles from foreign countries. Uh, you know, even back in the day when, when they were having their, their scuffles with Russia and whatnot, uh, they were purchasing armaments from Russia because that was how they, they um, basically imported technology, right? They take it and they reverse engineer it. Same thing they do when they steal plans from the U.S. They take that technology and reverse engineer it. Um, but right now they're on their third generation of main battle tank, the Type 99 main battle tank. Um, again, it hasn't been proven in battle, but it's it's pretty comparable when you're looking at like the Challenger 2s and the Leopards and and the uh, the Abrams when in terms of, of capability. Um, but a lot of times, even, you know, the Abrams, everybody talks, you know, big about the Abrams. It's not the best tank out there. Right. Um, the, you know, it's it, it falls behind some of those European model tanks. But it's the crews and the crew training that puts them over the top. Yeah, um, I mean the U.S. has some of the best trained crews. So when it comes to your main battle tank capability, China has the capability, but do they have the training to back it up? Um, and the main battle tanks made by Norinco. So you might have your Norinco AK floating around somewhere. They also make tanks. They're they're uh, the number one state agency for uh, for China uh, when it comes to purchasing. Uh, and the tank has a 125 millimeter cannon, a little bit larger than the uh, Generation Two tank. Uh, it has, you know, reactive protective armor, kind of like we have uh, on our Abrams. Um, so, you know, they're making power moves when it comes to, you know, main battle tank production. But it's, you know, Gen Three, so they still have some some updating to do. And then when you go toward their battle rifles, um, where they've made considerable gains in their battle rifles, is their, um, you know, the QBZ style um rifles they have it's a it's a bullpup style but uh, oh yeah it's interchangeable um super cool looking uh if you like bullpups uh you know but they're out there rocking and roll with those and you can you know, pick a tinny rails and everything just just crushing on it um but their number one um i'd say rifle that they produce and, and it's been comparable on the world stage is their their designated uh, designated marksmanship rifle um the bqu 88 They've actually yeah. done considerably well in international competitions with that rifle. It's a very, very well-made rifle. Um, they fire, all of their rifles fire 5.8 by 44 millimeter ammunition. So definitely not NATO standard, right? They're not part of NATO, so they don't give a crap. Uh, but it's not your standard you know, 7.62 by 39 that you get out of China. Uh, but very capable round. Uh, and they're just out there producing and crushing it. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. What, uh, what yeah. do you guys think of, that, of uh, that quick diatribe I just had right there? No, I mean, it, it's good because I like the fact that you, uh, I think a lot of analysts get really hung up on big shit in countries' arsenals, but they forget the small arms component, uh, which is really interesting. So the fact that, for me, just quick little analysis, the fact that their small arms seem to be centered on the 5.8 by 42 shows me that they've had a little bit of forethought at least to the point where 
you know, they can swap ammo amongst multiple platforms, which is a really big thing. Uh, it's almost like a natural response to NATO and the use of the 5.56 and 7.62 platforms. However, it's not the smartest move because if they were looking at force projection, what follows force projection is logistics. And a big, big element of logistics is ammo, right? Looking at your class five. So looking at that, they would have to go ahead and produce, source, transport, and supply all their own 5.8 by 42 because that shit is not common. Which, which they do in considerable yeah. capacity, especially with, I mean, they're a manufacturing uh, you know, powerhouse in the yeah. world, honestly. And they are. They are. Their, their logistics capability is greater than anything we can put together. Um, well, uh, maybe. Well, I would say yes, but once again, boys, it is unproven when projected. And that, that's one of those yeah. things we have to take into account. And that's where I think they made a boo-boo because they should be operating a more standard ammo cartridge, just my opinion. However, maybe they're banking on the defensive play. Maybe they were, which is why, once again, they don't have very many aircraft carriers. They have a subfleet. Their population is by the coast. Maybe they don't want to stock hundreds of thousands of rounds of 5.56 at ASPs all over their country because they think that we're coming to get it. Right? If we were to invade, that would allow us to resupply on the move and forage similar to Napoleonic armies. Yeah, right? they, so they've, it's, never, it's they've interesting. never had the... Really, a five point five six platform. They they transitioned from that seven six two by thirty nine uh, with the AK series. Well, that's my series. point. They transitioned away from that, which was the most prolific platform on the face of the earth. Interesting yeah. move. Weird. But they, I mean, they still have their standard twelve point seven millimeter uh, heavy machine gun. Uh, yep. You know, weaponry. They didn't change that up. They yeah. they they essentially targeted their their small arms capability that that squad level weaponry. And, and created that one round that they wanted. Um, you know, it's a very high quality round. I mean, it's it's a good round to have. Um, but again, like you said, they, they don't have the production capability, which you know they can amass uh, fairly easily. It's the distribution capability that it's untested. Yeah, yeah. So that that's just one little thing that jumped off of the uh, jumped off the page at me when I was looking at your analysis. So, not I wasn't looking at. Your analysis in the form of a P-test, I was looking at your (laughs) analysis. Operation Golden Flow. That was good. I was never a pecker checker in the Army, and I'm very happy to say that. You you weren't checking the the statistics of Uranus? Negative Ghost Rider. No. (laughs) No. But uh, I think, you know... Yeah, I think they're they're pretty capable if they're to, to go out there and prove on battle. I know that they like to uh, go out and skirmish the Indians, um, not the Native Americans, but the folks from India uh, over by Nepal. Uh, Good every clarification. Year. <laughs> Thank yeah, you yeah, so I thought much. They're, thought they're challenging <laughs> them to a game of lacrosse or something. No, there, there's a, a big you. old plateau over by Nepal that uh, the country of India and and <laughs> and China like to fight over. On a pretty much annual basis, um, so that's really their their testing and proving ground uh, for a lot of this stuff. And they go out there, but 
you know, that's also a deterrent that we haven't, we won't go into, but uh, India hates China. On an anal basis or annual basis? Uh, anal. That was anal. Uh, yeah. Very well. All right, Carol. Um, speaking of which, Air Force. Let's, uh, let's pull our resident air power uh, guy into the mix. Push it over to Da Vinci to talk some air power stuff. You were yeah. so close to saying nerd. I saw your thoughts. Yeah, you you like you literally. I, well, I can't really say nerd. I'm glad you did. I'm currently I'm currently Force. nerding out more than he is on Air Force stuff. Uh, you know, because I work that's mobile right. technology for the Air Force, so sure. A little more. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that real quick. So obviously, we have some massive capabilities when it comes to the F twenty two and the F thirty five. Like we have some really good capabilities there and like there's, it's hard to just Da Vinci's just hucking his cha talking about F-22s and shit. It's perfect. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like trying to interpret your hand signals and I'm like, I don't know what box 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 means you know i wouldn't interpret that i'd interpret that as let's, let's get inside this box here and talk about some fifth generation aircraft that's, that's what i interpreted as i was like all right cool but so, that was a dad that was a dad move right there yeah you were totally <laughs> dad was just exposed that yeah he just he exposed, exposed his you. dad technology he exposed oh my you. god all right sorry go ahead carry on anyway so China has the J20, right? And that is like their response to the F22. F22, F35, like that's their fifth gen operating platform. It's a good platform. I I I think it's very well made. It's got uh very similar capabilities. Obviously, I'm not a pilot, so I don't know how it well, performs in comparison to the F-22 or the F-35. But, no, go ahead. Yeah, there, there's a lot of talk in the defense circles that uh, the comparability of the, the J-20 to those platforms, that there was some technology that was uh, domestically stolen, you know. Um, the Chinese are really good at, at cloning. Uh, no, they're very good at cloning that capability <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, so there's a lot of conversations that that's how they developed the uh, the j20 no i a thousand percent i think that's how they developed the j20 and i think that anybody that sits down and actually looks at it is going to come up with the same conclusion you know like i think that's absolutely how they came up with it so uh but when it comes to like actual fighter fighter aircraft, like the majority of the Chinese presence is uh, fighter aircraft, and we have a we have a really good we the United States have a very very well balanced um, presence. And we do a very good job of, you know, heavy airlift, fighter, tanker. You know, we do a very good job of that. But I'm just trying to, you know, find the right um, 
note. I made lots of notes and I cannot find the right one. But when it comes to fighter aircraft, like Chinese fighter aircraft take up like 65% of their, uh, their air force, like the people's liberation army air force, the PLA, AF, um, fighter aircraft is a huge proportion of that. And it's the same for our air force. You know, it's, it's a, it's a big piece of it. Well, when you're looking at comparisons, you know, China's sitting around what 3,200 total aircraft when it comes to military aircraft and the United States sits around 13,000. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the vast yeah. differences in power projection when it comes to like tanker fleets and stuff is insane. Oh, it, Absolutely it insane. is insane. But the way that they project that and the way that they manipulate the social media, you know, the regular media, the state media, like the way that they project their power through media platforms is super impressive to me. Like, because they project a very strong image where it's not necessarily warranted. But you're right. Like you hit the numbers straight up. Like I, I didn't even, I didn't even have to say them. <laughs> like somebody did the research. Absolutely, you know it. But the stuff oh, to jump, always. you, you got <laughs> got nailed on the head there. So you crushed it. Oh yeah. No, I, I was just took some time uh, the other day when I was looking at the numbers, just kind of like trying to compare. Oh, thousands, thousands of it, aircraft. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. With 13, you know, 10,000 aircraft difference between, you know, the United States and, and yeah, but uh, and there's China. a real concern that China will surpass the United States in eventually the theater yeah. of operations that we, oh, for sure, that we operate in when it comes to yeah. the Pacific theater, <clears throat> that they will surpass but, us in the next five years. Like well, that, the same issue that, that they have coming our way is the issue that we have going their way. I mean, it's the oh, yeah, exact same issues for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, well, absolutely. Sort of, because it goes back to the whole propaganda machine and the fact that China has been gaining a shitload of ground in American media. You know, there's been an awful That's lot true. of uh, aspects of collusion that have been going on. It's almost like they're they're starting to systematically and very slowly keep in mind that they are not a transactional culture like we are as Americans. They're very much invested in the infinite game. If you look up Simon Sinek and then you mm -hmm. start hearing murmurings of folks like General Milley, who I called a fat piece of shit on our last podcast. Turns out that was true. Ring, ring, ring. Another path five prophecy. Uh, yeah. Colluding with individuals in the Chinese government, Chinese military, basically saying like, hey, guys, um, if we were to invade you, I would give you a heads up. Like, I'm sorry, is that supposed to, like, is he supposed to buy you a fucking ice cream now from Dairy Queen because you guys are bros? Like, well, how do you think that's going to fucking work, man? No, I... So that well, piece, like, that piece, I don't think he's saying, like, if we're going to invade you, we're going to give you a heads up. That's literally what he said. Verbatim. So, again, I, you know, I'll wait till the transcripts get released because obviously there's going to be some... Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, he said, uh, yeah, she said. Okay. You're right. The yeah, same there's thing a four-year news, news in there for yeah. sure. But 
Oh yeah. Yeah. But, like that's ever produced anything worthwhile. But you bring a great point up though. This, the Chinese propaganda machine and how long their tentacles are is insane. Ooh, tentacles. And the tentacles. Yeah. But I, the, the person that yeah. I know probably knows the most about it is our cha cha puking man over there. <laughs> Old Da Vinci. You want to tell us about some of those foreign actions that, uh, you know, some, that, that China's kind of entrenched themselves and, and gotten some of those inklings going in the background. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a, that sounds like a good segue. Um, my phone just fell off the, fell off the <laughs> counter here, but all right. So let's talk a little bit about China and their foreign actions. So China, they've always been super big about their foreign actions, right? But recently Huge. we've seen like, cause they've been able to go under the radar for a long time. And we've been talking about this on this podcast since, you know, since we started, we talked about this. Like, it's been a recurring theme for a long time. And we're just going to bring it back to the forefront. So China, they have a very large international presence, right? And if you think oh, they yeah. don't, then you're, then you're just... You know, you're sucking on the teat of the the regular media. Because we talked about it before, Belt and Road, man. Yeah, the Belt, Belt and Road, Road Initiative. Like they have been in Asia, Central Asia, Africa, and now, you know, for the past several decades, very invested and continually largely invested in Central America and South America, Latino America, because that to them is America's backyard, which it is, you know, well, look at the border right now. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Cute. Like the shit show that's occurring there is just astronomical. So to, to look at that and say, nothing's going on is just wild, but to so, get, so what are they doing down there? Yeah. In South, get, yeah. In South to, America. to get into to some more specifics. Um, so we've talked about before I go directly into South America, we've talked a little bit about the, the foreign investment that China's had on several of these podcasts, but they've had significant, investment since the United States have left, you know, now we've since left Afghanistan and we've kind of left a little bit of a void that I don't think a lot of people anticipated. So, uh, Iran, Pakistan, Russia, there's been a lot of, a lot of activity there in the, in, in recent months. And now we've got officials from Russia, China, Iran, Pakistan meeting in Dushanbe, which is the capital of Tajikistan. Like last week on Thursday, like this is like four days ago, like they're meeting to discuss the future of Afghanistan. Right. And it's crazy. Oh, it's wild, man. Like, they're all meeting 
and planning out the future of this country. And this is a direct quote from the, uh, the ambassador or the foreign minister of Russia says, we are making a difference in the region, helping the Afghan people to get out of the crisis created after the 20 years of war launched by the United States and NATO. Like that's a direct quote. And they are fully taking advantage of the situation that we left after oh, yeah. we exited or pulled the you know, pulled. Well, I mean, it goes to, to the Belt and Road Initiative. They, no, they it does. Them on. Yeah, you know, they, they got him as a signer already, a oh, Taliban foreign minister, or whatever sure. they want to call him these days. For sure. But so Thursday, these officials from Russia, China, Iran, Pakistan, they met in Dushanbe. That's the capital of uh, Tajikistan. Tajikistan, yeah. Tajikistan. It's not Kazakhstan. Tajikistan. Tajikistan. No. It's not Tajikistan. There's an I in there. I know, but I had a margarita that was particularly (laughs) strong. I haven't been drinking much lately. Tajikistan. 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 I know I sent something to Dushanbe one time, but we can't talk about that. Yeah, we can't. Bro, keep that shit to yourself. Anyway, back anyway, to so China, Russia, Iran, Pakistan—you know—that was like the coalition that we were all kind of worried about, and now it's happening. Like it's that happening. happened in Tajikistan in Dushanbe. Yeah. Like five days ago. Well, it's I'd say it's not all that surprising though, because no, China's been in it's... China's been there already. They, they've been in the country for years. Uh, Iran's been operating in the country for years. Pakistan was helping the Taliban chill for years. So again, it's not a, a huge. Yeah. You know, Russia's going to jump on the bandwagon because you know they got booted out of there before we did. So they just want to jump on the the pain train and, and give it back to us, but. I, I wouldn't say it's too surprising, though. That, that's no, the terminology it, it they come out be, with right it should, afterward. It shouldn't be surprising. But we have had this relationship with Pakistan. And now that relationship is shifting to a relationship with India. And it's we're kind of seeing a little bit of a reversal to Soviet-era politics, where initially, back in the day you know, get the puck out of Afghanistan kind of, you know, when you see the movie miracle, that's what you see. Now yeah, we're seeing yeah. a, a, you know, cause that back in the day it was India and Soviet union, United States and Pakistan. Now we're seeing a shift in that to Pakistan and, you know, Russia and the United States right. and India. So we're seeing that shift in, you know, the Central Asian politic situation. So it's a it's a really well, dynamic situation. That, and with us leaving, naturally, Russia would, would want to step in. Oh, yeah, their, yeah, it's their a old power Soviet void. Era, you know. Yeah, it's a power um, void because yeah. there is trillions of dollars worth of natural resources in Afghanistan 
that is untapped because nobody's been able to control that. I read an article that today population about it. That population or that, that geography. Yeah. There's already inroads in there. Today, uh, one of the news outlets had it, Reuters maybe, was talking about uh, some of the deals that were coming up um, in, in that region with China and Russia and um, trying to get in there and, and really get, get uh, mining rights uh, back in there. So it, it's, it's crazy. But oh, it, it the crazy. interesting point, right? I mean, that's, that was a, that's a natural one we talked about the other day. But I think the interesting one uh, that I wanted you to touch on is, is the South America piece that uh, we, were, we were chatting about quickly earlier. Um, and China's influence uh, over there, because so I think that's more important than, than uh, you know, the most recent fall of, uh, of Afghanistan, because that'll flush itself out here pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know about more important, but more important, I think, for us when we kind of go back to this like uh, America first type doctrine, and we go back to this historical feeling that we've been in I think I'm sure we'll talk about it on future podcasts but you know there's a lot of talk about when it comes to Afghanistan but when it comes to South America there's a huge 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 impact that China has been having on South American politics I mean it's it's nuts massive Massive. massive massive like china has sent something like 160 165 million vaccines to latin america minus you got some yeah minus got some yeah oh i got something so man we could go way back i don't even know what our first episode was that we referenced this but our general lack of foreign policy as the united states it was big energy Big energy. It would, yeah, that's like episode three, I think, yeah, of our podcast like in like general. Big resource energy. Big resource, big resource energy. energy. Yeah, yep. yep. we talked so about Venezuela. We, yep. Yeah, we talked about how danger it, dangerous it was that we don't have a foreign policy. And if you guys can recall in history, the Monroe Doctrine dictated that we would control our hemisphere. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up, but yeah. And, and oh shit, you were. No, I was not going to bring that to up because oh. avoid that one. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Okay, sorry, I didn't want to like trample on your. No, you're your not trampling. It, it totally, it totally builds. On. No, it totally builds on what you're. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, go so, ahead. So, so at the end of the day, dude, it's like we used to have this foreign policy that almost made sense, as opposed to some of our others or lack thereof that we've had in the last. Oh boy, I don't know. 60, 70 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and now China is like willingly encroaching on what used to be known as our backyard. Granted, we shit in our backyard a lot with how we handled Latin America, South America. Sure, yeah. Agency. But at the same time, you know, that's. It, they're cheeky. You know, they're cheeky. And they know what they're doing. And shame on us for letting him do it. That's all I have to say. Carry on. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right, man. Like the fact that China has been able to operate pretty much without opposition in Latin America is very concerning. I think to those of us that are tied into that situation, 
like 165 million vaccines. That's like more than double what the U.S. has even promised. Not even delivered. That's double what we have even promised. When you're coming out of an industrial powerhouse when it comes to medical uh, stuff like China, I mean, I mean, they have, when you're looking at key uh, you know, resources, key elements out of the earth, rare earth elements, you know, China owns it all. Right? When, when you're looking at vaccine production, COVID came from that area, right? From that area of the world. So they had a, a baseline already when it came to their, comes to their vaccines. Sure. Um, so they had the capability already to, to make the adjustments um, and get it out there. No, I think that, that plays absolutely. a huge role into it as well. Yeah. And they had, you know, they have it. They had a significant advantage when it came to like the preemptive element when it came to COVID. Well, 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 hang on there, cowboy. I think it is very beneficial and quite helpful when you're producing a vaccine when you yourself are the source of the virus. Oh, Bam! We, pew, 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 said it. pew, it's pew, out there now. Shots fired. It's out there. No, it was already out there in a Wuhan episode. Check it out. But anywho. I think it's called Wuhan, not Wuhan. Wuhan. No, it's the Wuhan virus. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's a good point. But we're talking about South America. China's had a huge opportunity, and they have taken advantage of it. Yeah, like they've, yeah. they've provided... 165 million doses of the vaccine to, to Latin America. That's a in lot. The last, yeah. Yeah. In the last year since COVID happened, um, we promised 80 million. I think we've delivered on less than half of that. Oof. Now, to be fair, we are not selling these vaccines. Right. We, as the U S are not selling these. China is selling these vaccines. Well, probably to cover the logistic costs of getting them there as well. Well, right? sure, but they're not selling them for cash. They're mm. selling them for debt. Yeah, and, which and they love. Favors. Yeah, they love that. What? I mean, we owe them who knows yeah. how many trillions of dollars worth of debt. So they're That's like, a oh, yeah. right there. Yeah, we'll just collect that debt. We'll cash that in at some point. Great you point. Know? And because these countries cannot afford to just like buy all these vaccines. They, they go on credit, you know, and mm. it's like what your parents teach you or hopefully taught you, 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 you go on credit for what you can afford. Then you pay it off at the end of the month. Unfortunately, America does not do a very good job of that. Yeah. And neither do countries in South America. And Latino America, like they do not do a very good job of that. So it is a very, uh, it's a tough situation because we have citizens and countries who have ties to the United States and they're seeing other countries around the region that are getting vaccines and they see the news because China has done a very good job of advertising, you know, Xi Jinping, he's been at a lot of the roll-offs for these vaccine donation ships. Yeah. 
And propaganda, baby. Propaganda is huge. It's huge in South America for China. Yeah. And he's done a very good job of propagating that. And how many how many countries has President Biden been to since this all happened in South America? For the ones he remembers or oof. Bro. Damn. Damn. But I'm just saying, like, Xi Jinping, he does a very good job of advertising when China is rolling off vaccines. It goes back to the propaganda machine, you know, that we were talking about the entire episode. Absolutely. Like, they do a very good job of that. And now, although the president and other Chinese diplomats have been seen on state and other media like they are technically selling these vaccines but nobody sees that because all they see is china big ship lots of containers full of vaccines they're offloading them in peru chile argentina brazil like these other countries but really they're selling those to these countries and nobody talks about that because it's just what you see in the media right well that and we ourselves have been guilty of falling into that same trap right so it's like we can't really criticize countries when they're in a time of need for kowtowing to china and for we'll say maxing out their credit cards yeah exactly because we've done the same fucking thing right and there's a lot of talk that these vaccines have come with a political cost, right? Well, but it's it's, it's like course. anything else China yeah. does. It, it's not for free, right? No, I, no they, it, they they say it's oh, a gift. Well, it's, it's like a, the, it's like the BRI yeah. investments, right? I mean, they say they're going to build the infrastructure, but they never say that they're going to let the the locals, you know, work it and and, and learn how to do it. And they import right. their own people. Yeah, they there's put always their own people in there. You know, yeah, figures behind your back type deal. Which is right. a perfect segue into what they've been doing just across the pond from South America and Africa. Exactly. Yep. You want to touch because, on that, Mike? Yeah, yeah. I'll elaborate. So one of the things that I found super interesting, and this is when I was deep into the FID realm and kind of looking at things holistically, shall we say. Um, so, and this is years ago. This is probably three years ago, four years ago. And I read an article, I forget what magazine it was in. It might have even been National Geographic or it might have been like some CA magazine. I don't know. But it referenced the fact that these Chinese fishing fleets are just wrecking Kenya's fishing economy in an effort to feed their just massive workforce that they've been employing via contract in Africa trying to just rape that continent of their natural minerals. And in doing so, interestingly enough, like these just hordes of fishermen show up with these crazy fucking nets. Yeah. No they're ethics. Yeah. They're natural resources. Yeah. 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 Not but minerals. Like, I mean, they have done mineral. Oh yeah. No, stuff. a lot of minerals, man. A lot of they fucking They have minerals. done lots of mineral type stuff, but I think you're talking about the fishing 
industry. Yeah. Big commercial well, fishing expeditions. Well, not necessarily. So the reason why their fishing industry expanded to the point it did was to actually feed all of their workers that were already in Africa that were harvesting the minerals and natural resources there. So these are actually connected, yep. interestingly enough, to the point where these massive fleets showed up with minimal, I'll just say non-existent ethics, and just completely wrecked the fishery off the coast of Kenya, out by Zanzibar, to the point where like it wasn't even like fish couldn't get caught because they're so abundant they're still getting caught, but these local fishermen could not fetch a good enough price for their for their meals because the market was just so flooded by this fucking Chinese cop. Supply and demand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the supply was so much higher than the local demand because the Chinese could only get so much of it inland to their uh, corporations and other contractors that are harvesting these natural resources. So they also flooded the Kenyan economy with this shit and just completely wrecked the classic like vision of Kenyan coastal fishermen, right? Folks living in simple villages with these little boats that they just cast out early morning, come back late at night and feed their family, you know? And it's like this horde of just consuming that they will very rapidly point their finger to the U S and we are notorious consumers. I will give them that. But we are nothing compared to just this like horde of mouths to feed that China has. Even when they protract and project their influence into other places like Africa. It's just insane the amount of ripple effects that occur when you let these people in. Yeah, you make great points. It's huge. It's huge. Well, I think we've touched on a wide variety of topics tonight. So instead of diving into more topics, I think we should wrap this up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I wanted to, to thank Da Vinci and Midas for, for joining me today on this journey. I think it's a good, good way to put it as a journey. That's what it's been. But, uh, you know, we touched on some of the social impacts, uh, you know, the, the changes that, that China's input on their, uh, um, their youth, you know, we're going to have those new policies that they have. Uh, along with, you know, making greater masculinity, uh, so to speak, in their culture. And we looked at their military a little bit. That, that's a topic we could probably do a whole series of podcasts on if we wanted to. And then, you know, yeah. we, we touched the very, no doubt. very tip no of the doubt. iceberg, very tip of the iceberg when it comes yep. to Chinese economic tip. stuff. Just to do your own research. Do your own <laughs> research. Yeah. Dig into exactly. this stuff. Dig into it. Yeah. Get a shovel. It's yeah. you, you can solve a shovel, oh. a backhoe, whatever. You it's got insane. a lot of research to do. Yeah. Insane how much stuff you can find. Um, but yeah, anyway, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody out there. Uh, and uh, if you haven't already, go like us on, uh, follow us on, on Instagram, path underscore five, all written out. Give us a follow, uh, shoot us back some comments of, of what you want to hear more about. Um, yeah. We can, yeah. we can go for years on, on different things China's doing in the global market. Uh, but you know, we'd like to hear some, some thoughts, uh, for you and we'll do a, a user podcast here coming up soon, hopefully. Yeah. My only parting shot here guys is, is look at the trajectory that the U S has currently, uh, socially 
contrast that with some of the things that we presented this evening or morning, afternoon, whatever it is for you. And, and think about where those two paths meet inevitably and whether or not we're going to have the upper hand. It's, uh, it, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. And we, we've got to do everything that we can yeah. as a team and including you, our listeners, as our, our little extended Path 5 family to ensure that folks around us, our loved ones, people we care about are fully understanding this situation and are therefore preparing within a reasonable manner for it. Uh, it it's super important that we captivate values of readiness, of functionality and capability in our children, in our friends, in our family, to the point where we are able to present, uh, I guess, like a counterculture, if you will, um, in order to successfully prepare some of our, our family members and, and generations after us for the inevitable conflict, which it's just, it's going to occur. There's no, there's no other way. Yeah. But I also want to put in there the, you know, we have a lot of doom and gloom here in the podcast this, this, this week, but at the same time, we've seen a lot of cultures and, and, and climates that are in that realm of communism and they have a very cyclical nature. So there's a little bit of hope. There's a little bit of hope because most of these cultures last, you know, 60, 70, 80 years and China's at like 71, 72 years. So it's not hopeless. It's not right. hopeless. But yeah. at the same time, yeah. if it does succeed, which a lot of times the communist experience experiment has not succeeded, but it may, it may do. Sometimes but it'd be like it do. Some, some, sometimes it'd be like it do. I wish I, <laughs> I, I, I wish that Bro Neil was here because he'd be feeling like, you know, it do what it do. I'm feeling, I'm feeling what it do, you know? Yeah. And I know Midas, he's got something. He's got, he's got something to share there. So on your point, Da Vinci, there has been a little bit of doom and gloom. There's been a centric discussion looking at China and its influence. However, guys, I want to make something abundantly clear. Chinese people are not an enemy. They're not your enemy. The United States has a really rich cultural population of folks who've relocated and they relocated for some very great reasons because we are a land of opportunity. So don't take this to be some anti-Chinese sentiment. Absolutely. Right. I feel like some folks can get latched onto that and they can radicalize. Uh, Great point, dude. Don't Great. do that. Don't be out there running around Chinatown bashing up residents. No, like, great it, point. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah. just, just keep in mind. people are part of our country. Yeah. They are. Yeah, and they're yeah. hardworking, and they fucking deserve to be here. So keep that in mind as we move forward, guys, right? Be aware of the threat. Prepare yourself. Do not 
harbor and project ill intent against other folks that happen to come from that culture. You know, that's not us being pacifists or whatever. It's just, you know, it's part of the team's values. So it's being thank a good you neighbor. All. That's right. Be a damn good neighbor. Thank you all for coming out tonight or this morning or this afternoon. And uh, we really appreciate you. And thank you, Irish, for trying your damnedest to keep us on track on this one, despite some margaritas and whatever the fuck Da Vinci was drinking. Rum and <laughs> Coke, bro. Rum, Rum and Coke. Coke. Classic. And, Classic. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Good night. Or good morning or good afternoon.